0: good morning everyone it is Sunday you know what that means we got NFL on the slate and plenty of to talk about early morning start in London with the Broncos and jag so this episode will cover that game in the meantime we also have two games in the books for the World Series and already three different uh, Astros controversies that we gotta uh, discuss as well shocker that the Astros Might be embroiled in controversy. Who could have guessed that happening? So, without further ado, let's talk about the World Series. Uh, Series tied up at 1-1. So, first controversy in Game 1. Martin Maldonado using illegal bats. So, apparently the story was Martin Maldonado decided to reach out to Albert Pujols for advice on hitting in the World Series despite the fact that he has already played in the World Series, he's played in as many World Series as Albert Pujols, uh, to be honest. Uh, So he's reaching out of the blue to Albert Pujols. Pujols decides to send him uh, baseball bats uh, for use in the World Series. Only problem with that is Pujols had a special agreement with Major League Baseball back in 2010, which shouldn't have happened, by the way. But, you know, it is what it is. That Pujols was able to be grandfathered in when MLB changed up their bats after 2010. Pujols is one of the few uh, players, I think it was like Pujols, uh Jeter, uh, but I don't even think Jeter uh, ended up taking him up on that offer. Like Pujols was really the only guy who made us think about having uh, his own set of bats, which again, is another set of standard for a different player, but you know, Poulos is officially retired now, uh, despite the uh, irregularities of his production last season, and I'll leave it at that, but uh, so Maldonado was using the legal bat, drove in an RBI in game one uh, that the Astros almost won, and so I would have loved to see baseball try to figure out how they're going to manage game one if that actually turned out to be an Astros win concerning it was an illegal bat and he drove in runs uh you know it is uh kind of ridiculous <laughs> to be honest that we're already talking about the astros in this regard that they are doing uh stuff that would be considered illegal by any other team and this is this is how we start off the world series next argument and this is the one that i don't have nearly as much issue with as other people seem to do, uh, it was uh, Amende's diaz trying to lean into a pitch that was clearly in the strike zone to get on base. Listen, you got runners on first uh, first and third. He's the last out. Of course he should be trying to get on base by any means necessary. So I don't have a problem with him leaning into a pitch in the strike zone. The umpire did his job by telling him he needs to get his ass back, on, uh, back in the box because... That was a strike, he can't lean into a pitch that way. So the umpire did his job. Diaz try, try to like uh, uh Finagle uh getting on base, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna begrudge him for that because that is just using uh some savvy to try to game the system. That's not outright cheating. What is technically outright cheating is what we might have had with uh Framber Valdez last night with <clears throat> switching gloves when every major league pitcher is checked for illegal substances, constantly rubbing himself. They've got video evidence of him rubbing his hand at various junctures, something on his hand that somehow wasn't caught. It, it just seemed to be that there were multiple instances of Framber Valdez constantly rubbing himself right before pitches, changing up gloves during innings after any spot checks, and continuing to pitch throughout the game. Again, we have visual evidence So, this. You can always check online with uh, uh, the film review from what the Astros have said. That's what he normally does. Which is kind of true. Framber does rub himself quite often. The, 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 the issue is, is the fact that, is he always cheating? <laughs> That's always been the uh, criticism of most major league teams. The question is, you know, even if he is cheating, it it, it kind of uh, highlights how impractical the current uh, methods of checking for illegal substances are. That this dude basically was doing it on national TV, still couldn't get caught. I I, I don't know what what you want me to say about it. I, is it that he's cheating, or is that we are that uh, bad at catching cheaters? that it doesn't really matter at this point uh, what these guys are doing. Um, You know, from my standpoint, realistically, could he have been cheating? Oh, absolutely. But the fact that no one could actually spotlight uh, where he got caught when he was checked by the umpires multiple times during that game, you know, at a certain point, you know, he cheated better than they could actually catch him. I, I, I don't know what else you want me to say. If you were able to fight catch him cheating in the middle of the game, then you call the umpires out and you have them checked on the mound. They can actually do that to check for illegal substances. That's why uh, Buck Showalter was checking Joe, uh, having the umpires check Joe Musgrove's ear in the middle of a wild card game. It, you do actually have that option. So, I mean, being, being, uh, probably out of Rob Thompson can uh, could have checked uh, Fran Valdez at any point in that game with the umpires. That is their right, and it was being caught on video. They didn't. The Phillies didn't challenge it. They lost the game five two. That's on them. The pure, pure is that. So, getting into the rest of the series because I said this was kind of be the barometer of the World Series. Can the Phillies' bats be efficient enough to hit where the Yankees failed miserably? The Phillies' left-handed bats are still getting on base. That's the key. If the if the Phillies' lefty bats with Schwarber and Harper can get on base, they can do damage against the Astros. The question becomes, when the Astros' score runs, and they will against this uh, Phillies' pitching staff, Can the Phillies rally enough at-bats during the series against the Astros' bullpen? The Yankees couldn't do it. The Phillies, to their credit, are taking advantage of pitches that are not inside the zone. This is the biggest knock on the Yankees is that they're so stubborn about what they're going to swing at, they don't actually take advantage of pitches that they can actually drive. The Phillies are taking their chances. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Game one, it actually worked in in them rallying from a five-run deficit. They weren't able to do it last night for game two, but they're going to have to keep doing that because the Astros are not going to give them mistake pitches across the middle of the plate. They're they're just not going to be that well in the strike zone. You're going to have to chase outside the strike zone, but there are hittable pitches outside the strike zone. This is the barometer that you have to be able to take advantage of. Not every pitch is going to be perfect to swing at. That's just the way it is in the playoffs when you're actually going against good teams. So, again, we shall see what the Phillies are able to do uh, as the series series shifts to Philadelphia. But, so far, the Phillies have been holding their own. I I think this is going to be a long series, in my opinion. Mainly from the standpoint of the Phillies bats have been able to show up and do do some work against the Astros. They're not going to be perfect, but they're, they're doing enough good work that I actually think they're going to be rewarded down the line. I'm not saying they're going to win this series, but I think people are starting to realize this is going to be a way more competitive series than they were giving credit for to begin with. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with uh, the NFL showdown breakdown for this uh, London game. So stay right here. We'll be right back. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McKrispie Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, so getting into what we have here in London. This is a mess of a game. Perfectly honest, most people shouldn't even be watching this game. You could just sleep in. But I have to cover this, so for those of you who are more degenerate and trying to follow your fantasy teams, here are some options to kind of look at for this game uh, today over in Wembley Stadium in London between the Broncos and the Jaguars. Both teams 2-5. and five. The Broncos in disarray with Russell Wilson just being genuinely awful. I have a hard time believing after missing a week with the hamstring issue that Russ is coming back if he wasn't healthy. So we should be getting a good Russell... Well, no. I shouldn't say a good Russell Wilson. A healthy Russell Wilson. The question becomes, what the hell do we get out of the Broncos offense? Because I still can't figure out if this team is the worst coach team in the league, given how many great examples of terrible coaching we have in the league right now, or the players just hate Russ that much because the the passing routes make no sense. But I will say that the Jaguars prevent defense should be the best case scenario for the Broncos actually score points for a while. If they can't score points against this Jags defense, that has been, giving up points like crazy and yardage to teams. I don't know what else there is to do about the Broncos other than firing uh, Nathaniel Hackett before the team leaves London. Like, you might as well just fire Nathaniel Hackett and start trading players if they lose uh, today. It's just that simple. Because from my standpoint is, Cortland Sutton, uh, KJ Hamler, and Greg Dulcich. Should have field days with this Jags defense. They should. If this becomes a game where you have to play the Jags defense, I, uh, you know, you, what else is there to do? You can't trade Russ. You're paid. You're paying him. Uh, you're paying him close to uh, forty million dollars a year. Uh, you know, this is a disaster to say the least. So, somebody's got to go. It's got to be the coach. It's got to be the coach. You can try to trade players, but realistically, all these players you're trading can actually play on NFL teams, which means you got to find someone who can actually make it work with these players. That's my point with all this, is that it really needs to come down to changing changing out the coaching staff. Now, who, what quality coach is actually going to leave midseason to kind of coach this train wreck? No one. The answer is no one. So the season is lost. But I will say... If you're actually trying to salvage something for next year, there should be someone capable of doing the actual work of evaluating the the folks who are relevant to uh, uh, to the future of this squad. That's what I think uh, the next step has to be. Here is getting uh, getting them in a much better place, which has not been uh, which has not been the uh, the uh, the long and short of it uh, to begin with. So they got to figure out what they want to be, uh, and soon because I don't think there's any other way of get getting this in any workable order this season. I think this team's broken, but their last chance is today. If they can't score against the Jags, it's a wrap. But in terms of uh, fantasy options. Uh, Travis Etienne's going to get the share of the workload. Uh, I mean, the uh, the lion's share of the workload for the Jags because they, you know, I told you last week, if the Jags try to make Etienne beat the Giants, the Giants are going to win that game. That's exactly what happened. James Robinson, no touches. The Giants came back to win that game even though the Giants weren't playing great. Um, I don't think Travis Etienne is that good. It's <laughs> Like, truth be told, but. You know, if he's going to get that much workload, somebody on this uh, Jags team has to be played. So, to me, it's down to Christian Kirk, Travis Etienne, and you can sprinkle in some Evan Ingram. My, my issue is, you know, I don't necessarily like the pieces on these teams. That That's where I get uh, kind of uh, skittish on recommending the Jags players. I think it's easier to work it from uh, the Broncos standpoint because the Broncos have better skill position players and they have the better defense. The problem is, as I alluded to, the Broncos coaching staff is a complete and utter dumpster fire. The Jags aren't that much better, but at least it's somewhat uh, coherent as to how they're uh, going to be approaching. It. I still don't know who on the Broncos is going to get the rock from uh, the bulk of the uh, running back carries between Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray and, uh, don't forget, Mike Boone's still there. Like, you got three guys, and they seem to vacillate as to whom they want to feature. I don't like the uh, running back options from uh, the Broncos, but with ETN, you know he's going to get 25-plus touches. So, you play ETN. You make your decision on if you want to uh, play a Kirk who's going to be way more popular. You got Evan Ingram. And then on the Broncos side, you got uh, Greg Dolchich at the tight end because you know Russ is going to want to throw to the tight end. You got Cortland Sutton. I don't like Jerry Judy because I think the Broncos are going to trade Jerry Judy at the trade deadline uh, on Tuesday. And KJ Hamler may also get traded, but Hamler is their – deep play guy down the field we may get a, a busted coverage at some point in this game from the Jags defense they do it all the time they did it like I mean you saw how the the, uh, the commanders came back to beat the Jags uh I mean Carson got bailed out multiple times by the Jags just falling asleep on deep balls like don't tell me Russ can't throw a deep ball still it's like it's one a go route is one of the most simple plays you can run like KJ Hamler can run a go route and you can have uh, Russ throw deep So, to me, this is just, can you do basic stuff? Basic. And I don't know if the Broncos coaching staff can do basic stuff, but this is a pretty basic game plan to execute. Run the ball, play action, throw some deep passes. You can score on the Jags, and you can score 27 points easily on the Jags with a couple of deep balls and at least... uh, doing the run to establish some semblance of play action pass down the field. So to me, this is pretty straightforward. I, I think you, this should be manageable. All right. That's going to do it for me. I'm getting that on and out of here. I mean, this game's a train wreck. Uh, do I expect points? Not really, but should there be points? Yeah, because you, you should be able to get some functional offense today, but, uh, you know, there's a reason why this point total is under 45. Uh, we'll see. Hope for the best, expect the worst. That's all I got for you today. Uh, in in terms of this morning slate, we'll get back into the main slate uh, in a little bit as after I get this uh, this recording up up and loaded. Uh, talk to you guys soon. Later. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets.